and its story. Suddenly I know exactly what I'm doing here and why. "'Sirs, please sit down. You can't stand back there,' shouted the bailiff, and two men in the gallery arranged themselves on one of the forward benches. I recognized both of the men. I had been expecting them to show, or at least some men like them. One was huge, wearing a shiny workout suit, his face permanently cast with the heavy-lidded expression of a weightlifter contemplating a difficult squat thrust. The other was short, thin, looking like a talent scout for a cemetery. He had the face and oily gray hair of a mortician, wearing the same black suit a mortician might wear, clutching a neat little briefcase in his lap. This slick's name was Earl Dante, a minor mob figure who made his piranha loans at three points a week and sent out his gap-toothed collectors to muscle in his payments. Dante nodded at me, and I contracted the sides of my mouth into an imitation of a smile, hoping no one noticed. They brought up the next batch of prisoners, linked wrist to wrist by steel. In the middle was Peter Cressy, tall, curly hair flowing long and black behind his ears, broad shoulders, unbelievably handsome. As he shuffled through the room, he smiled casually at me, as casually as if seeing a neighbor across the street, and I smiled back. Cressy's gaze drifted up to the benches in the gallery. When it fell onto Dante's stern face, Cressy's features twisted into some sort of fearful reverence. I never planned to be a criminal defense attorney. I never planned a lot of things that had happened in my life. Like the Soviets never planned for Chernobyl to glow through the long Ukrainian night. I represented, in the American legal system, a group of men whose allegiance was not to God and country, but to family. Not to their natural-born families, but to a family with ties that bound so tightly they cut into the flesh. The criminal family headed by Enrico Raffaello. I didn't like the work, and I didn't like the clients, and I didn't like myself while I did the work. I wanted out, but Enrico Raffaello had once done me the favor of saving my life, and so I didn't have much choice anymore. The clerk called out Peter Cressy's name. I stood and slid to the table. I assume you're here to represent this miscreant, Mr. Carl, said Bail Commissioner Pauling as they brought Cressy out from the holding cell. This alleged miscreant, yes, sir. Mr. Cressy, said Pauling, you are hereby charged with 183 counts of the illegal purchase of firearms in violation of the Pennsylvania Penal Code. Now I'm going to read you the factual basis for those charges, so you listen up. The commissioner took hold of the police report and started reading. I didn't need to listen. I'd heard it all that morning. I had heard all of it that morning when I was woken by a call informing me of Cressy's arrest. What was he going to do with those guns, counselor? Aerate his lawn? Mr. Cressy is a collector, I said. What about the flamethrower? Would you believe Mr. Cressy was having a problem with roaches? The commissioner didn't so much as crack a smile, which was a bad sign. "'366,010% cash,' he said with a quick pound of his gavel. "'Thank you, Your Honor,' I said, fighting to keep all sarcasm out of my voice. We asked to be allowed to sign for his bail. I turned to Earl Dante, sitting patiently on the gallery bench, and nodded at him. Dante gave me a look of resigned exasperation. Then, followed by the Hulk in his workout suit... He stood and headed out the gallery's doors, taking his briefcase to the waiting bail clerk. As my gaze followed them out, I noticed a thin blonde woman in a leather jacket staring at Cressy and me with something more than idle curiosity. 
I turned and gave Cressy a complicated series of instructions. Keep your mouth shut till you're bailed out, Peter. You got that? What do you think? I'm an idiot here? I'm not the one buying guns from cops. Just do as I say, and then meet me at my office tomorrow morning so we can figure out where to go from here. And be sure to bring my usual retainer. I looked back up to the blonde woman who was still watching us. You know her? I asked with a flick of my head to the gallery. He looked up. Nah, she's not my type, a scrag like that. She was waiting outside the roundhouse. Mr. Carl? She was in her mid-twenties, small, her bleached hair hacked to ear's length, as if with a cleaver. Black lipstick, black nail polish. Mascara globbed around her eyes like a cry for help. Under her black leather was a blue work shirt. She had five earrings in her right ear and her left nostril.